Hello, everyone. Oh my God, so good to be back. Thanks for being here. This is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the podcast. Stoked you're here. I am. I have to apologize for my absence. I have been. I I don't know if I would say under the weather. A little bit of that, but I did this crazy expedition race here called America's Toughest Race Expedition Oregon. It was put on by my neighbors and best friends, Jason and Chelsea and Dan. And it was 310 miles of all map and compass orienteering on bikes and trekking and pack rafting. And it absolutely broke me. It was like five days and you just try to sleep as little as possible. And you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And it exhausted me to the core in a way that I had never experienced before and a way that was so depleting that I got sick and had a injury on my IT band on my left leg and yada 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 so long story short I have had a couple of weeks of more intense recovery than I've ever experienced and I am just now getting reconnected to my creativity to my wisdom and to my words and so I'm actually incredibly excited to record this podcast for you today. I have some really amazing insights and I want to talk about being wrong. Um, And I have just such visceral, such visceral experiences of being wrong, folks. I'm not sure if anyone's erred as much as I have in in life. Um, And I think that this is one of the most important things to be talking about right now because our world is a bit split up on this issue. And I think this is one of the most potent things you can understand for your relationships, both with yourself and other people, as well as understanding the world and where we are. So, 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 so I'm going to give you some music here, as always, put you in the mood, light some candles, coconut oil, and some deep house music. As always, if you'd like to support this show, please become a patron on Patreon. That helps so much for me to get a little bit of money every month. Makes this um, my creative endeavors feel so rewarding and it's super helpful. As well as I am accepting coaching clients right now and my philosophical coaching practice has been so much fun this spring. I've had such a good time with the people who have opened their stories and their lives to me. And it's been really rewarding on both sides. So if you'd like to have a free intro call, which is not a sales call, we just get right to it. That is, there is a link on my website, airyintheair.com, and I'll try to put it in the description below. So without further ado, here's a little bit of music, and let's talk about being wrong. Okay, everyone, 
you for being here and listening to another episode of Airy in the Air. I love doing this podcast and I'm so excited to get back into it. So today I want to talk about being wrong. And this, as so many of my episodes are inspired by my favorite philosopher, Daniel Schmachtenberger. If you haven't seen his work, just Google that. Um, he's really at the tip of the spear right now for our society and understanding our world and the future. And he posted recently a TED Talk that he really liked. And let me just pull this thing up here so I don't misquote the woman's name. Her name is Catherine Scholes, and she's the author of this book called Being Wrong, Adventures in the Margin of Error. And her TED Talk on this subject is really good. And so I'm going to quote it a number of times here. And if you'd like to uh, follow the rabbit hole, I will try to post a link to the TED Talk itself in the description below. But it's a very insightful talk. And I can summarize it in a couple of ways here, and I'm going to tie in my own insights as we go. So basically, there are a couple of cognitive things that happen when we see people who are wrong or judge them as being wrong, or when we ourselves realize we're wrong. And she pulls up this photo of probably a second grade vocabulary paper that a student had done and it is a list of vocabulary words and it has red marks all over it and it says C minus and then in big letters it says see me and she points out that we as people tend to think of those who are wrong as stupid, lazy, dim-witted, or just insert pejorative for bad, right? And her wording on this, I liked so much. And she said that this is a really bad lesson that we learn so well. At that point in the TED Talk, I burst into tears. And that is because I had a cascading series of realizations of how deep that lesson goes and how profoundly it affects our relationship with ourselves, how deep it affects our relationships with everyone else, and how it affects everything in the world, including geopolitics, including every last relationship interpersonally to geopolitically, right? The implications there's, there's no corner of the world that that lesson hasn't reached. That's the lesson that people who are wrong are bad. She also talks about the cognitive errors that happen when we think that someone's wrong. And the first thing that she says is the ignorance bias, which states that when someone is wrong, we assume that they just don't have the information that we do. And that if they had the information, then they would come over to our side. They would see it clearly, and they would come on to the side of being right. The second error 
once we find out that they actually do have the same information as us and they haven't put it together in the same way that we haven't come to the same conclusions, is that they're an idiot. That's the idiocy bias. Then, the third and final thing that we do when we realize that someone has the information that we have and is actually not an idiot but very intelligent, we assume that they are intentionally misinterpreting the information for malevolent purposes. And this is the evil assumption. We assume that they are actually evil. So on all of these, when someone else is wrong, they're either ignorant or an idiot or they're evil. Nowhere in there is there any space for there to be a human. There's no space to be a person in there. There's, we have lost our ability to see the person that we are dealing with. We have lost our ability to listen. We have lost our ability to understand. We have lost our ability to connect with them. And the implications of that could not possibly be overstated. It breaks my heart to think that we take young school children and we drill into them this notion that being wrong is akin to being ignorant, stupid, or evil. And then when you think about that we all get that lesson implicitly and explicitly from our families, our society, and our world at large, to understand that people want to be right, pretend they're right, or defend that they are right, you can see that we're essentially put into a box where you're either right or you're ignorant, stupid, or evil. Then think about your intimate relationships and think about the defensiveness that arises when your partner has had an experience that's unsavory with you. Of course, it makes so much sense that you would want to be defensive because to have erred in your relationship, to have made a mistake in your relationship, is akin to either being ignorant, stupid, or evil. And no one wants to be that. We don't feel that about ourselves. And so we have to defend our behavior and our rightness. Okay. So she goes on to ask the audience, what does it feel like to be wrong? One woman just takes her thumb and points it down, thumbs down. Another woman says, embarrassing. Another person says, humiliating. Another person says, awful. And she says, yeah, those are all great answers. But she points out that what they're actually answering for is not what it's like to be wrong. What they're actually answering for is what it's like to realize that you're wrong. Realizing that you're wrong is thumbs down, is embarrassing, is humiliating, is awful. But being wrong, and this is the much more pernicious, much, much more powerful, much more dangerous, and difficult to grasp reality, is that being wrong actually feels 
just like being right. The feeling of being right can be had when you're completely and totally wrong. So, the implications of this are also hard to overstate. She gives the analogy of Wiley Coyote chasing the roadrunner right off of a cliff. The roadrunner can go off the cliff because the roadrunner the roadrunner has wings. The roadrunner is a bird. The coyote, however, seems to continue chasing the bird out over the precipice and is totally fine until the coyote looks down. Once he looks down, he goes into free fall and impacts the ground, typically making that hilarious coyote-shaped crater in the ground, which I love. That is to say that there can be an enormous amount of space between the edge of being right and the moment of free fall, the awful, embarrassing, humiliating, thumbs-down experience of realizing that you're wrong. There can be a lot of space between leaving rightness and free-falling into the awful, embarrassing feeling of being wrong. And that much more pernicious, much more difficult to grasp reality is that being wrong feels just like being right. Mm. What implications this has if we were to really integrate this truth into our lives, we would, I say, become much more humble to the reality that at any moment we could be wrong. And furthermore, that we would spend more cognitive effort exploring the ways in which we might be wrong at any given moment. So if we think about that reality that we assume that whoever's wrong is ignorant or stupid or evil, we realize that the guiding emotion for that is shame, right? So to keep people from being wrong, we use shame. Once we realize that and we want to integrate this truth that at any moment we could be wrong, we have to work with our shame. We have to deeply integrate the reality that it is a huge part of the human experience to be wrong. We have to integrate the shame that would keep us from seeing that we're wrong. And we have to love the parts of us that are wrong. We have to love the experience of being corrected. 
I was talking to Daniel about this last night, and he related it to adventure racing as a navigator. In adventure racing, we use only maps and compass to find our way. And if you are deluding yourself about where you are on the map, and you're wrong, the moment that you find out you've been wrong is a huge relief. Thank God. Instead of humiliation, thumbs down, and shame, we have thumbs up, corrective, relieving, reorienting, clarifying. We have a totally different experience of realizing that we are wrong. Because to realize that you are wrong is to find out what is right. I guess I would asterisk that and say that finding out that you're wrong isn't always finding the right way, but it definitely resets you on the path. It lets you know that where you thought you were of rightness and of knowing and of clarity, you actually weren't there and that you have to keep looking, keep searching, keep moving. It's reorienting. It's reorienting, which is such a beautiful thing. So I had this crazy experience the other day that was very visceral that I had listened to this TED Talk and then later in the day I went for a big bike ride. And as I rode my mountain bike through town, which typically I ride my bike very aggressively both on and off trail and through traffic is no exception, which... Um, is expedient but dangerous and the other day I was nearly hit by a car and when I say nearly hit by a car I mean like tires locked up screeching coming to a halt less than three feet from me okay and with all of these people texting and driving and all these distracted drivers and all this road rage and all of these idiots on the road there was an idiot who nearly killed me. That idiot was me. I was riding on the canal trail, which goes through town here in Bend, which is a beautiful commuting option. And at one point, it crosses a fairly busy street right in front of a stoplight. As I approached this crossing, I looked to my left and the driver of the oncoming car had locked eyes with me and they had slowed and come to a complete stop waiting for me to cross the road. I smiled, I waved, and I rode out in front of him and into the lane where from the right traffic was coming through a green light and I rode directly in front of an Audi speeding that locked up their brakes and screeched to a halt no less than 24 inches from my right leg. The feeling of being right manifested in smiling and waving and thanking the person for giving me right of way. And all the while, I could not have been more wrong. I had so 
egregiously been wrong. I had been wrong to the point that I nearly killed myself on the hood of someone else's car. And the look on the face of the man driving the Audi who had to lock up his brakes to not totally run me over was something I won't forget. I took my left index finger and I pointed it to my chest repeatedly. And I just said, my bad. I'm so sorry. That was all my fault. Certainly I had scared the shit out of him. I had also scared myself. But I got a free lesson. And it's one that I want to take. And it's one that I want to pass on to you. And I want to articulate now how I think that integrating this lesson is the foundation for intimacy and it's the foundation for listening at all. Okay? Integrating this lesson that we can be wrong is one of the most profound human lessons that we can integrate. If we are so clung on to our ideologies, say, politically, that makes us an ideologue, and we lose our ability to not only hear other people, understand other people, but the worst thing that we lose is our ability to guide ourselves, to correct ourselves, to get righter and righter and righter. Because if we think we are right and we're stuck on the feeling of being right, we cannot correct the parts that we have wrong. We're not even looking for them anymore. And that's just a terrible place to be. It's a terrible place to live. It has us stuck in defensiveness constantly. And we're just defensive. And we're defensive. And we're defensive. We're defensive about what we believe. We're defensive about what we say. We're defensive about what we do. We're defensive to our partner. We're defensive to our boss. We're defensive to everyone. We're defensive to our children. Which just instills in us the next generation of defensiveness. So, to integrate this, I could be wrong, is such an intimate thing to do with ourselves. To be honest with ourselves that we are wrong is to be really intimate with ourselves, which is such a beautiful thing. And you can't have intimacy with other people until you have intimacy with yourself. So being able to be wrong, admit that you're wrong, admit that you're confused, admit that there's things that you're still trying to figure out is the foundation for intimacy. It's one of the foundations at the very least. And I'm sure that I don't need to explain the extrapolation between that realization, that foundational piece of admitting that you could be wrong and being able to more deeply relate with people. And it also allows you to listen to people because most of us can hold space for our friends when they talk about their boss and their complaints about their boss. Maybe we can listen to them pretty well when they talk about the complaints they have of their partner. 
right? But it becomes quite difficult to listen when people are making complaints about us directly. And it becomes difficult to listen because we become defensive. Because as we've already talked about, if we're wrong, if we've done something that the other person didn't like, it's either that we're ignorant or that we're stupid or that we're evil. And of course, none of us want to feel that way. None of us want to be labeled that way. So we defend. And if we're defending, then we cannot hear. Which I feel like I could go on a totally separate tangent here for quite some time about why listening, active listening, real listening might be the most underappreciated and underdeveloped skill in humanity at this current juncture. And it just started pouring rain just so hard here at my house in Bend. Crazy. Um, and the analogy that's been coming through my head for the last 24 hours is that listening is like reading. When you read something, you are taking symbols on a page that someone else put there as a way to transmit meaning and to communicate something. When you read something, you are not constantly judging what you are reading for rightness or for wrongness. You are not constantly doing that. You do that secondarily. But first, you're just interpreting what is the meaning being transmitted here. Obviously, you can imagine someone reading with the same bad faith that they could listen, which is to say that you can be reading and constantly judging, or you can be reading, seeking understanding, and seeking uh, to inhabit the position that's being transmitted to you, even momentarily. The amount of centeredness that it takes in yourself to allow yourself to inhabit another person's perspective is something that we all should be seeking. That is to say that it takes a certain centeredness to allow ourselves to consider other people's perspectives. Yeah, so if we can just be with ourselves and support ourselves, we can allow ourselves to listen to other people's perspectives, even when they're complaining about us. And that is a really beautiful human skill that we can develop that's often just totally underdeveloped and is something that I'm only learning as a man in my 30s. It is the reason that my marriage failed. It's the breakdown of human relationships. It's just how we talk past each other and how we miss and how we project and everything. So our fear of being wrong is so directly connected to our inability to really listen to people. So if we snuggle up with being wrong as the deep human experience that it truly is, then 
I think we're much more likely to be able to listen, to be able to correct ourselves, to grow, to learn, to change our perspectives. And all of that is exactly what we're looking for. No, it's what I'm looking for. I want to be able to be dynamic and communicative and I want to be able to listen and I want to be able to think clearly. And if I'm constantly trying to defend myself, I'm not thinking clearly. I'm just running this program of defend, 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 keep my image in a certain way. And it's manipulative because I'm trying to manipulate how people perceive me. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for you. So my hope is that you can soften yourself to being wrong and you can learn to enjoy learning that you're wrong as the beautiful opportunity to learn and grow and change that it is and that you can begin to soften your perceptions of other people when they're wrong. Sometimes we can soften how we see other people as being wrong by softening our own perceptions of ourselves when we're wrong, and sometimes vice versa. Sometimes by softening our perception of ourselves when we're wrong, we can soften how we see other people when they're wrong. Um, and what this does for our relationships is hard to overstate Obviously, right now in America and the world at large, we are incredibly polarized with our opinions. We are incredibly polarized with how we interpret it and what we think is right and what we think everyone should be fighting for and talking about and what opinions we think everyone should have. And I mean, just recently with some school shooting in Texas, you're either you either think we should take all of the guns away from people or you're a monster. And if you think that we need this right to keep our, to keep a bunch of guns, the dog is barking at the thunder, then you must be a bloodthirsty monster. The inability for people to read and understand the opposite point of view is incredibly obvious when things it's incredibly obvious when you look to the media that basically it's bread and butter is division and it's bread and butter is um, limbic hijack. When your nervous system is activated and you feel justified or righteous or these things, that's how that machine has grown and lives. So, I think if you start looking for the ways in which people shame each other for being wrong, you'll start to see where people divide. You'll start to see where people stop listening. And then when we can heal those wounds and listen to each other and realize that by listening and by really, really listening, it doesn't mean that you agree. doesn't mean that you agree. I just had a power outage. My monitor turned off, but my computer has a battery, so it seems like my computer did not stop recording. Thank goodness gracious gravy. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I hope this, I've kind of drawn this out maybe more than I should have, but I think it's incredibly important. And I think it's one of the deep parts of being a human. And if you can cultivate your perspective in yourself, that it feels good to learn that you were wrong and get back on the path of uh, learning and growing, then that's a really healthy place for you to be. And I hope that for you and I hope it for me. It takes so long to unwind these fucking conditionings that we were given as children with our red pens on our papers telling us that we were ignorant and stupid and evil. So I hope this concept is helpful. And if you'd like to heal the world, then I think this is a great place to start. I'll try my best to link the videos that I'm referencing in the description. And if you'd like to explore uh, working with me as a philosophical coach, go to my website, airyinthear.com, and consider becoming a Patreon supporter to support the show. I really appreciate everyone who does that. So thanks so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode. Peace.